Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 576. This week on Cars Yeah, we're celebrating the Concorso Italiano. This spectacular event takes place during the Monterey Pebble Beach Car Week in California. You can learn more about this event at www.concorso.com. World is getting smaller, and for younger kids from anywhere, world is waiting for you. So don't hesitate. Just go out there, and it doesn't matter if you speak the language or not. Just go in there, meet people, and do things you never regret. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost Jump Starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Ken Okuyama. Ken, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Of course, I always am, but I'm talking to you today. I'm really excited to be here. Awesome, awesome. Ken's calling all the way in from Japan today, which is very cool. It's actually, he's ahead of me. He's tomorrow, so I should ask him how my day is going to be tomorrow. That's but right. uh, I think he already knows it's going to be great because we're talking about cars. Ken Okuyama is the CEO of Ken Okuyama Design in Yamagato, Japan. Ken was the chief design director for General Motors, a senior designer for Porsche AG, and the design director for Paninfarina. Among his many automotive designs were the Ferrari Enzo, one of my favorites, and the Maserati Quattroporte. He's designed numerous projects, including motorcycles, furniture, robots, and even delved into some architecture. And in 2007, he founded his company, where he and his team provide design consulting to companies around the globe in numerous industries. They also design and produce limited production automobiles, eyewear, and interior products under the Ken Okuyama brand. Ken is currently director of Yanmar Holding Company Limited. He's authored many books, and he's a visiting professor at several universities. Wow, you are one busy guy. Oh, you really went through that whole <laughs> list of my, my life. I didn't even realize I've done so much of that. You've done a lot of things, my friend, but we're going to learn a lot more about what you're doing. As I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment and share a little bit more about your business and, of course, your passion for automobiles? Well, you know, I always loved cars as probably many of the listeners and the, uh, your, you know, yourself, Mark, but the, uh, I never really wanted to make this automotive uh, design or whatever into my career. 
And I was kind of a kid that uh, if my parents kind of gave me the piece of a pencil, I would be drawing on the walls or toilets and anywhere in the house. So I was kind of a dangerous kid. <laughs> because of that, even though I liked the design, but I didn't want to get into automotive. So I became actually, I went to a, a university with the degree of uh, uh, advertising design. Mark, that's what you were doing. Before. Yeah, exactly. Yep. I've done graphics and the filming and a lot of things, in fact, in my pa- uh, you know past before I switched to automotive design. And in fact, I just realizing right now that it's really helping me, all the fundamental you know design uh, study that I've done in the past. But after that, though, I just didn't want to pursue my career in the advertising design, so I decided to go anywhere in the world. And in 82, I went to the States, and the, uh, not knowing where the heck I was going to you know, end up being. So I was going to be there just studying English and come back in Japan and, and get a job mm-hmm. after one year. That's what I told my parents, but end up going to our center college of design. Ooh, that nice. One of my best friends were attending there. And I wasn't really thinking about going there, but when I went there, same age of, uh, you know, uh, a lot of uh, students studying, drawing, and making clay models, all the things that I always wanted to do. And I felt jealous. <laughs> I, I got to be doing this. Yes. <laughs> so I uh, got in there and yeah, luckily graduated uh, with degree and yeah, I got a job at General Motors, but I didn't realize that was in Detroit in the mid-80s. You know, being Japanese in the mid-80s in Detroit isn't really the most comfortable place to be, but I had a fantastic experience. I still feel I'm part of General Motors family. Yeah. I still feel that way. I learned so much. I love those people. And I, uh, you know, um, I, I never had even a moment of regret of what I've done. Then I went to Porsche, which is always my dream car. Oh, mine too. It still is. And uh, uh, then, in fact, I came back to General Motors one more time to be a director of Advanced Concept Center to lead the uh, uh, projects of uh, electric cars, uh, solar cars, a lot of advanced cars that we've done, so many of uh, those those things. Mm-hmm. Then after one point, I was kind of deciding whether I should uh, go back to Japan, come back to Japan, or go elsewhere. And I decided to go elsewhere. And uh, I was actually, I bought my own ticket and they put together my portfolio and went to Italy myself. Wow. And did an interview with Pininfarina. But those days, going to Pininfarina as Japanese from uh, California is like going to Mars. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was back in eight, uh, 94. In fact, I yeah, started working in Turin, uh, Italy for Pininfarina as a plain flat designer after being a director of uh, General Motors uh, Advanced Custom Center. Wow. So that uh, was a big uh, change with the income tax was quite different. It was much higher than U.S. Ah, uh, yeah. And, and but uh, even though I took a lot of sacrifice in the personal life, but it was all worth it. And, uh, uh, you know, end up designing all the cards that I've done for about 12, total of uh, 12 years. And I came back to Japan almost 10 years ago and started my own company. Well, you've been around the world there, I think. And I'm sure that those experiences in the United States and Italy and with Porsche really helped mold and helped you expand what your design uh, philosophy is, your aspect is, everything, every part of it. Because you got to touch so many different things. More than probably things, one thing that I'm really proud of is I was able to meet all the great people. As you have, Mark. Yes. I don't know how many people you interviewed today, but the, uh, uh, I haven't interviewed those people, but I was interviewed by those people. For example, when I was at General Motors, I was very close to Larry Shinoda, who worked on, uh, you know, Corvette. 
yes. uh, C2. And yeah, I really loved his work. So actually this year I just bought C2, 1963 uh, Corvette split window. Oh my gosh, how cool Silver, is that? Silver, uh, 360 horsepower, a few injection, and the uh, six-speed, uh, I mean the four-speed manual. Oh man. Great condition. Oh, I just took man. that from California to Tokyo and uh, just ready to drive. Oh, man, you must be the star stud of Tokyo driving that thing around. <laughs> I will be. Yeah. Then, oh. You know, I was lucky enough to meet a person like a Chuck Jordan, who was a vice president of General Motors. He was a fantastic guy. He yeah. was scary at most of the time, but yeah. he's really kind to young guys like us. Uh-huh. He taught us a lot of things like uh, proportion is the most important thing about automotive design mm-hmm. and the uh, how you deal with the uh, you know people in big companies yeah. and the uh, many things. But he was a Ferrari you know enthusiast and the uh, just uh, just great guy. Then when I went to Italy, I was able to work for this uh, greatest gentleman of uh, Mr. Sergio Pinifarina, and uh, he taught me a lot of things about again, but design, but design is not always just uh, pretty pictures. But he thinks about concepts. Maybe he thinks in terms of design in more of a words uh, first. Then after that, sketches and the uh, you know more about uh, visuals. Yes, those things I really learned from maybe greatest people in the auto industry. Oh man, well you're very very fortunate. And yes, I've been able to talk to a lot of people. This morning I did an interview with a gentleman in Italy. Then I was in uh, Chicago earlier today. Now I'm in Japan. So I've been traveling around the world a little bit myself today. Well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. So Ken, take the wheel. Well, I have several, but one is I rather regret having done something than not having done it. So if you have a opportunities in your life that you have to make a right or left that sort of decisions and, and right or left i've been making a lot of critical decisions but i have regretted a lot of decisions i have made but i have never regretted making that decision yes because it brought an experience to you right yeah 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 go through that and you learn something from that experience always for yes sure. oh absolutely yeah whether it's good or bad and My gosh, like you said, you've been with so many companies and done so many different things. That Bringing all that knowledge back to your own firm now has to be a huge plus. Now, you said you had another one. Did you want to share a second one? Yeah, actually, another one is a kind of funny one. It's uh, design is all about money. (laughs) Because when you think about design, a lot of people think it's, it's an art. Well, in certain way, it is a form of art. But at the same time, art is something you spend your own time and money for your own maybe idealistic uh, you know, beauty or whatever that you think the art uh, has to be. Right. But design is using somebody else's money. It's never yours. Right. And using the client's money, but client is not a ultimate client. You're dealing with somebody who's going to be using their product or services in the future. So you're talking about this kind of triangle relationship between you and your immediate client, but an ultimate client in the future. And you and your immediate client always discussing and guessing what the future client's going to want. Right. That is a beauty of a design. So design is all about money. And if your immediate client becomes wealthy or profitable, then you get paid in that order. Yes, absolutely. I remember long ago I was designing a an actual uh, machine orbital, the housing for it. And at the end of the day, this the housing was really beautiful, but the manufacturer was going to have trouble making it. And someone in the room said, yeah, but will anybody really buy it? And 
the room got very quiet because that was the most important question of the day. Yeah. <laughs> because the product has to sell, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, it's not like all the products uh, that sells well are good products. But at the same time, unless the product is really, uh, you know, so I mean, bought by somebody and goes to the market and proven by someone how comfortable, how good it is to use, then you never have a product. Exactly. Well, those are two great sayings, two great mantras to live by. I like that. Let's go back in time. I would love for you to share a story that instigated your passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment when you go back in time when you realize that you were a car guy? You know, I always liked taking apart engines of motorcycles and, you know, into uh, transmissions and uh, crankcases. I take apart everything about, uh, you know, every bits and pieces. Uh All the cars that I own, except some of the modern ones that I can't even touch. Right. I really like to take it apart into bolts and nuts and everything of the cars. Then the fun of doing that, it's almost like, you know, when you look at the engine and the, where the uh, oil pump is and how the water goes around, how it cools everything, then you're almost like talking to the engineer who originally designed that engine and why he put this, you know, a crankshaft to be at this you know, length and location, how many bearings do you have? And, you know, makes you think, why the heck this this guy or gal did it this way? Mm-hmm. And read the manual, kind of didn't get the answer. But at a certain point, after you assemble and finish it, and then put it in the, back in the car or motorcycle, then all of a sudden, oh, that's why. <laughs> that's why he did it. It's almost like you're meeting somebody you never met, you never will. Yeah. You know, I really like doing that. But at the same time, you know, um, uh, my uh, career, I wasn't sure if I was talented enough. I'm actually grandson of a farmer in Japan. Nice. I was never from actually the actual mechanical or design background at all. I never studied any, any design professionally until I went to the college. Wow. I was always good at, uh, you know, paintings. I was biscuit in town, but paintings are paintings. It's never design. Right. So I uh, never had the confidence, but until I went to the States, and I had the chance to start over. I think that starting over your life and the career at the age of maybe late 20s is maybe one of the greatest things that uh, any, any uh, you know, gift could be given to yourself in your whole career. You know, uh, you kind of go with the flow. Then you go to uh, junior high and high school and you choose a college, as teachers said, and just go with it. And not really thinking deeply enough about your rest of the career. But I chose advertising design. Yes. And that wasn't me. I'm sorry to say that. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't your thing. And and it wasn't my thing. I was more three-dimensional guy. I was something that I wanted to touch something as a product. And I wanted to kind of bring into the market and sell to people myself. Yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, the the moment that I chose uh, uh, automotive design, uh, as my uh, career and the uh, major when I went to our center college, that was that was a great moment. Oh, yeah. I've had many guests who attended Art Center on the show here. Chris Bangle comes to mind. He was, Bangle was a great friend of mine, too. Yeah, he was on the show a couple of weeks ago. And one of my very first, Kevin Beard, one of my very first guests, I think he was number three, who founded Pelodi Shoes. Uh, he was a guest of my show. So we've had a lot of your alumni here at Cars. Yeah, I think it's great. And uh, uh, one of the uh, uh, first class that I attended at our center college, uh, this uh, uh, my teacher Ted Yankin. I'm sure 
a lot of people attend the art center. When I say Ted Yankin, people will be laughing at you know his name. He's his greatest teacher. Uh-huh. He passed away unfortunately, but his uh, first uh, uh, homework was you know project was actually to let us design our own signature. Oh, signature designing. It's like I never use it. It's like trust me, you're gonna be using this for the rest of your life. Yeah. In fact, my Japanese name is Kiyoyuki, and my American name became Ken because my first uh, English school, uh, language school teacher Diane said that Kiyoyuki is too long, so you're gonna make it uh, Ken. Uh, Ki- <laughs> uh, no, Kiyo actually for said no. Please, no Kiyo. Kiyo is a woman's name. It sounds like grandmother. Oh. So I want something else starting from K. So she said maybe after a uh, two two seconds. Oh, okay, you're Ken. You're Ken. <laughs> that moment, I became Ken Okuyama instead of Kiyoyuki Okuyama. Wow. And funny enough that the signature that I designed with the Ken Okuyama name in Ted Yankin's class, I am still using it. Wow. In my credit cards and everything is, you know, Ken Okuyama became my American name yep. and the, uh, my company name. And the signature I designed at Ted Yankin's first class, I am still using it. So <laughs> It's very interesting because my father was an architect. And he taught me how to print. And ever since I was young, I always print wrote like an architect. And I remember him saying to me, a similar project, he said, I want you to learn to write your name, your signature, very special because you'll be using it your whole life. And to this day, when I sign something, people look and they go, wow, you have a really unique signature. So there's a a similarity going on there. Very cool. (laughs) Well, Ken, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down. I want to crawl into the hood, get our hands a little dirty, open up that crankcase like you like to do, and have you share a big challenge, even a big failure that you faced along the way. But most importantly, how did you overcome that situation and what did it teach you? So take us to that painful time, walk us through it, and then tell us what you learned from it. Well, when I was a chief designer and the director of Advanced Concept Center for General Motors in California, a thousand oxygen that was, I had the, uh, about 37, 38 employee and, and, uh, you know, being a, you know, foreigner and still in, uh, early thirties, being boss of 37, 38 people is, is a tough thing, but it wasn't, that was a pleasure. I wanted to offer, you know, highest, uh, salary and to create the, uh, maybe the best, uh, most creative industry. I mean, the, uh, the environment in the industry. And we did that, but at the same time, uh, that was early 90s, and General Motors wasn't doing well. And I, it wasn't in my mind. I was mostly doing the design work for our studio and being creative. But I, one day, I got a phone call from a Detroit saying that I have to let go seven people. Oh, no. And at the age of 32 or 3 or something, then you have to let go. You're seven of the one of the best employees that you, uh, you know, went through the industry. And actually, one of uh, the best one was my teacher at our center. Oh, wow. Who uh, ended up working for me as a freelancer. Oh, wow. But he was the greatest person. He got a job there, and the uh, and he was a contract employee there. But as you know, contract employee has to go first. Yep. So I have to pull up my teacher and invite him to my office, and I have to you know, tell him the last thing I wanted to say to him. Oh, but no. he knew exactly what was going on. Yeah. And uh, he uh, actually resigned from his side. And what I learned from that moment there was, actually, I was more focused on as a manager to create the good environment to manage people. But I wasn't creating good results. Mm. And the results do matter at the end. The results do sell. Results do sell, you know, save the company. And uh, people, of course, are the 
you know, critical, most critical key issue, key um, uh, element to create that product success. But at the same time, it's not the people that you'll you be selling. So right. what I learned is your manager to create the results, create the products, not people. And mm -hmm. people are professionals. And I'm more focused on, you know, this is good, this is bad. You're sometimes worried about, you know, hurting someone's feeling. Okay, yep. this sketch looks ugly, right. and I don't like it. <laughs> but after that moment, I didn't have any problem telling people what I didn't, you know, people didn't want to hear. I rather actually said that first. Right. And this is not good. I don't think this is going to sell well. This is not the, what customers want because you're not dealing with that person. You're dealing with the product that you both are trying to create, you know, uh, the mutual idealistic product that, that is, maybe it's just not there. But right. but that moment, your vector of you and someone you're talking to, you know, is shooting for the same direction. Yeah, very good lessons learned for sure. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career aha moment. Now, you moved around a lot in your career, so I would assume you had a lot of these aha moments as you went down these new paths. But tell us the steps that you took to turn a particular aha moment into a success. Is it a positive or negative? <laughs> it can be either. You know, aha moments can be, uh, oh, no, I'm in the wrong place. Well, having... <laughs> I don't know if I should say this in public or not, but it might as well, you know, we broadcast it. But uh, uh, I love Porsche. I still do. In a Porsche, I found out that after working for the company for about three years, it's uh, one of the greatest uh, sports car uh, company manufacturer. But at the same time, I realized that I like past Porsches. Ah. And the past old 911s and uh, 356s. Yes. So, you know, when you're interviewing... Uh, you're meeting people and it's going to be great. And on the first day, you go into the studio and all of a sudden you realize what they're doing. You see that for the first time. Right. Then it's quite different from what you expected because, of course, they're trying to stay away from the past in a certain way, keeping the tradition, but you have to change certain things. Right. And that hurts sometimes. As a designer, that's something you have to do, but sometimes it hurts as a Porsche fan of the past Porsches. Yes. So when I saw the clay model... Mr. Harmla guy was uh, my, uh, you know, boss and a oh. director. He, you know, still we are still friends, and he's a, he's a one of the greatest uh, designer and a leader. But the, they're trying to create 996 water cooled engine. Oh yes, the air cooled. That moment from departure from a 993 or 964, that was a big change for the company. Oh and yeah, that saved the company actually. You know, with the Boxster and the, uh, you know, the uh, that. Uh, um, you know, the particular generation of all the Porsches that, that we worked in a very short time. Right. But I didn't like it. <laughs> so. Yeah, you know, that's I'm a huge 911 fan, huge. And the 996 just never did it for me. It was just like, <laughs> what happened here? And then, of course, the 997 came along and so forth. The 993, right. I had a 993, love that car. So uh, 997 with just a change of headlight. Of course, it's not just a change of headlight. Right. But it changed quite a bit back to what you would like as a Porsche. Yes. But people actually try to change the, uh, the appearance of a uh, Porsche family in 996 was uh, a very uh, difficult challenge. But they did it well. They invited many different uh, customers into the market. And the car did really well. Yep. In fact, from bulkhead forward, it's common, you know, all the components with the Boxster. Yeah. Those two products really saved the company. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, I have to say, honestly, that on the first day when I saw the clay model of 
Nine. Yeah, I was like, oh no. <laughs> oh no, I start counting my days actually. From oh, there. God. <laughs> well, that's a very interesting story, but uh, yeah, that was a difficult time for Porsche, of course. In those years, they just about lost everything. So, uh, and even now you can buy a 996 for relatively inexpensive. They're really good cars, really great cars actually to drive. But I think you're like me. You have to like what something looks like. That's important yeah. to me. So yeah. how about yeah. proudest career moments? I would assume you've had many. You've designed some really, really cool stuff. But is there one in particular you could share with us? You know, funny enough that, uh, of course I worked on Enzo and the, uh, Maserati Quattroporte. And the, uh, when you work on those cars, you're never 100% satisfied. You always have some area of the car that, oh, I could have done this, I could have done that. And that moment, that guy said this, <laughs> made this comment, and I have to change that. <laughs> and I really, you know, you can look at just the little mistakes you've done here and there. You never look at the whole thing. It's like uh, talking to your kids or someone that <laughs> you always look at, you know, kind of shortcomings. Yeah. But then one moment that maybe you have a glass of wine or something, had a great Italian uh, dinner, and then go outside, there's Maserati Quattroporte passing by. Wow, that's a beauty. Mm-hmm. And you realized all the little details and the things that, you know, shortcomings, things that you wanted to do, kind of disappears. Yeah. You fight, happy guy, and, the, uh, you know, you have a happy night. Then, though... Maybe next week or something, you see the car again during the day without a glass of wine. <laughs> that, that, that notion comes back. Oh, no, I could have done this. I could have done that. So you kind of go through the, the circle. Right. But I am um, really glad that uh, Maserati Quattroporte, basically, we uh, revived that, not just the car, but the entire brand. Yes. That created the uh, you know, foundation for the new generation Maserati brand. Yeah. Uh, we did a lot of things. Um, I'm really proud of that job. So yeah. I have two. I, have, I own two. You do? Oh, wow. Okay, very yeah. cool. Well, it must be incredibly awesome to own a car that you designed. You know, uh, something we should think about as a car guy is that in Tokyo nowadays with a traffic jam, not many younger generation of kids will look at the sports cars stuck in a traffic jam in Roppongi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Roppongi? Oh, yeah. Very busy part of Tokyo. So uh, I have a, a pleasure of, uh, took a pleasure of designing a Shinkansen, a bullet train, I've done about three in the past five years. Oh, wow. And the Shinkansen is something that, you know, it goes up to in kilometers, about the 320 kilometers constant. Wow. Into the tunnel out, in and out. Yeah. And regular, regular uh, carries a lot of people. Uh, it's massive. So I've seen many kids taking pictures in front of Shinkansen and station. And there's nothing more pleasing than children taking picture in front of your your product oh you know i got to take the bullet train when i was in japan from tokyo uh down south and and that thing is just incredible i mean just it's amazing you know just awesome to ride but looking at it it looks like a bullet it's just it's really cool yeah let's go back in time i would love for you to share with me your first really special car and maybe a memory you have with that vehicle oh i had a little honda uh 360 uh, when I was a student, and the, I loved that car. I still like to buy that car back, actually. But uh, I had to paint with a spray can in a, <laughs> in a you know college campus. Yeah. When I was in Tokyo, and the I bought about twenty cans of red. <laughs> I thought that would be enough, and I masked off all the you know windows and everything, right. and, and the uh, uh, start uh, spraying the whole car with the twenty cans of uh, you know red uh, spray can. Right. <laughs> But after finishing about 18, you realize that you painted only half of the car. Yeah. <laughs> so 
I have to actually take off the uh, the masking off the car and put it back in the car, and I have to go buy actually another at least twenty of those same color cans. <laughs> I couldn't find the same same cans anymore. Oh no! So I have to go to so many places for five hours driving. It became dark. And I came back with another 20 cans, finally, back into campus, same location, and I put, you know, carefully back this uh, masking paper back onto into the car and I start spraying the rest of 20 cans, right? Oh, my god! But after that, my uh, finger got numbed after 40 cans. That so is funny. <laughs> that was, though, you know, uh, the, that was one of the, the, the of course, because I, that was my, my uh, uh, you know, first car. Yeah. That I bought for about a thousand US dollars. Oh gosh, of, yeah. You know, and <laughs> everything I've done there, but I had a, such a great experience. In fact, that moment, maybe I started liking smaller cars, you know, more than bigger cars, actually. Yeah. Well, now everybody out there listening to Cars Yeah knows how many spray cans it takes to paint a 360 Honda. <laughs> so now, now we know. Well, how about a car that you let go that you really wish you had back in your garage? Is there one you can think of? Actually, I don't let go cards. <laughs> I have about 40 cards. Oh, my gosh. So I can't answer to that question. <laughs> I never regret it. I, uh, you know, uh, one thing I can, well, two things I can say is as a designer, it's really difficult to buy something that you've designed in the past and you uh, you start loving it. Then you can't move on anymore. So up until I started my company, I never bought my own products. I always liked somebody else, but I always kept them. I have about uh, maybe total of uh, 35 motorcycles and the 40 cars. Oh my gosh! In the three nations. Wow. <laughs> and I'm not, not a you know not a great collector or anything, but I just love what I own. That I have a memory. It's like part of my family, so I don't sell them. I buy. Them, I don't sell them. Now I used to do a lot of business in Japan. The garages there aren't very big. Where do you keep all these things? Well, in my company. Oh, okay. <laughs> Warehouse. You wear, okay, there you go. I can actually say that, uh, you know, this is not answer to your question at all, but one of the greatest car that I think that I bought in recent years is I bought finally Enzo Ferrari. Oh, you did? Oh my I gosh. Did. Congratulations. Wow. I was going to buy a uh, real estate. <laughs> <laughs> and toward the uh, Tokyo Olympics, actually, real estate is going up. And in fact, it became almost too expensive. And I was talking to the bank and one of my friends kind of brought me this, uh, this uh, you know, discovery that, oh, there's one Enzo uh, for sale. Ooh. You know, low mileage and everything, pretty clean. So, yeah, right. Wow. My bank said, yes, go for it. Go for, well, hey, when the banker says go for it, you go for it. Better than, in fact, real bank real estate, so go for it. Yeah, well, yeah, the way Ferrari prices have been. Wow, well, congratulations. My gosh. Yeah, that's on my bucket list. I don't know if I'll ever have one, but uh, oh my gosh, what a wonderful car. They're just spectacular. Well, let's talk about today and the future. Tell the uh, listeners out there a little bit about what you're doing at your company right now. What's, what's a project or two you're working on that maybe has a relationship to cars that you can talk about that really has you excited and fired up? Well, the reason why I became independent and started my own company, in fact, I almost have 50 people in my company, 15 people building limited production cars, and the rest of the people doing the uh, design consulting. And we do a lot of uh, business consulting, not just the styling of the product, but, you know, talking about the uh, dealership, all the sales tools, and the branding, and the actually educating some of the employee. And I do have a great uh, contract with many, uh, you know, great uh, clients, and mostly in Japan actually uh, at this moment. Mm-hmm. But those rest of the fifteen people, 
they built limited production cars. We are trying to be coach builders. So we might be end up designing the entire car like Pagani in the future. But at this moment, we always work with car manufacturers, use the uh, mostly aluminum uh, frame or carbon fiber uh, chassis and uh, put the new body on top of that. So one of the product that we're working on, as I mentioned in the beginning of this interview, is coming out in uh, Concorso Italiano of uh, this August, actually this month in California. Yes, yep. And the uh, day before that in the Quail. And this is based on uh, one Italian uh, 12-cylinder front-engine car that I should have mentioned the name of the brand because I'm not supposed to. Okay. And it's, it's a great company. And I put the uh, uh, you know completely different uh, carbon fiber body on top of that, and I already sold that uh, you know this first car to to the client uh, in Japan. He's quite satisfied. Oh wow! It's gonna be just just one car, and that I'm really uh, satisfied with the with the result because I'm not just being a designer or stylist in this case, but I'm a businessman. I'm a CEO. I am uh, looking at of course the financial issues and the uh, everything about a car. So all the internal structure, all the subframes, and the uh, reinforcement of the original chassis, everything, I designed everything with my people. Wow. That's uh, far more than just a skin deep, and I do enjoy quite a bit of uh, doing this, more than just uh, doing pictures. So any of us that are going to be at Concorso or the Quail uh, here uh, this week are going to be able to see your car at both those venues, right? Yeah, actually, since it's uh, going to be uh, broadcast on what the uh, in, in that particular week, right? Yes, yeah. So maybe the uh, the press information might be already out uh, as the listeners listen to this our conversation now. So uh, at least I can mention this uh, name of the car. It's going to be called Code Fifty Seven. Code Fifty Seven. Okay. Because Code K O D E comes from Kenokoyama Design, but all the cars I've done. Since we started the company with the code 7, code 9, now it's a code 57 because it's uh, roughly based on something that came out in 1957. And uh, you will be seeing the car and you understand what I'm talking about. Oh, I, yeah. I can't wait. Awesome. I'm so excited. That is really cool. Really cool. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Ken. Yeah. If Ken was a car, what kind of car would he be? And why? Ken will be probably very, how do you call that, uh, changing forms and the uh, changing uh, appearance or colors, whatever, depending on who you're talking to. I am more like, I'm a, um, I'm a designer, and it's not my work. I am making my clients work. I really believe in, of course, I like to add something out of my taste and my uh, you know, past experience to it, too. But I am producing my client's product, not my product. Right. It's not like when you look at the Enzo Ferrari and the Maserati Quattroporte, I don't think there's anything in common besides four wheels. Uh, shape is quite different. Packaging is different. Material is different. Right. But they both aim for what the product is supposed to be doing for the, you know, creating value of uh, customers. Right. So uh, I'm into that. I like to think about who will be, you know, driving this, who will be owning this one, and what would he or she want from this car. Right. That's a part of the maybe best part of the designing process. Sure, yeah. absolutely. So Ken's kind of a car that's a bit of a chameleon. Yeah, or maybe Gundam. 
<laughs> you know, the robot Gundam that changes form, you know, the Transformer. Maybe I am a Transformer. How about that? I like that. There you go. <laughs> yeah. you, you hit the nail on the head there. I like a Transformer better than Chameleon, maybe. Yeah, I think so. I think so. So, Ken, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yow sponsors. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimball.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. member, Finra Sipic. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at com or connect with me through the Cars yeah website at com. Okay, Ken, we're back and we're entering the last lap. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Wow. Um, I have- You're ready. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? When I worked on Ferrari 612, Mr. Sergio Pinifarina came to me saying that you read Bible under light, right? Like, Excuse me? Look at the car. And then the back of that, 612, when I was designing, the horse was kind of facing rearward. I mean, the downward. Not picking up the light. He was suggesting that it should be move up a little bit and taking all the lights. And I did that. All of a sudden, the entire car, it looks magnificent. So he doesn't even say that. He said, when you read Bible, you read it under the light. Right? Wow, I like that. That's very nice. He's that kind of person. He was. Yeah, very cool. I like that. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years? Yes, more quantity than quality. <laughs> <laughs> I do 100 sketches still as of today. Wow. And as I do quantity, quality comes by itself. Uh-huh. I really believe in quantity brings you the uh, experience and quantity brings you maybe, uh, you know, sometimes you worry too much, your concerns. It goes away when you do quantity. You know, exercise, the same thing, and you know, sketching, the same thing, design, the same thing, and quality comes with the quantity. Yes, sounds a little bit like the uh, Kaizen principle. Yes. Never-ending sharpening of the saw, so. No, maybe I am after all. <laughs> Do you have a resource that you think our listeners would really enjoy? You know, many people ask me about inspiration and resources, and I, the answer I always you know, give is it's in yourself, but it's not in your head. It's in your hand. It's in your words. It's in somewhere that you need to create a dialogue within yourself. When I sketch, my hands don't move the way I want, but that's exactly what you want. You need almost like a you know, uh, accidental, uh, inspirational, some little sketch that you create, but your hand creates, your head is watching that. And it's a two people in your body that doing the dialogue 
is this good enough? Should I stop him? Or should I not? And oh, wow, this is great. Then you're the, probably the most uh, person who's excited, probably the most than anybody else. And you can do that with somebody else with the brainstorming. Mm-hmm. Brainstorming is something that, you know, two or five or whatever number of people, you have this uh, great conversational dialogue, but you end up having greatest idea, inspirational idea that none of the five people or two people thought of. That's a great brainstorming. And a lot of people actually write. I talk to many authors and novelists, and when they write, you don't think about your ideas first and start writing down from you know top to bottom. No, you just you know right. laying out some of the words and rechanging. Then all of a sudden, one moment, your hands start running by itself, and your eyes, your head is simply watching that. When that moment comes, you get the greatest uh, you know inspiration in yourself. You got to pull that out. I like that. Now, how about a book? Is there a book you've read recently you think the Karja listeners would enjoy reading? <laughs> I I read Mishima Yukio and the uh, many uh, many Japanese know, the, uh, authors. Book, and I don't think in Japanese, and I don't think uh, it's related to any of the design issues. And you know, of course, you can read history books, but history is something great that you can always get the uh, you know indirect inspiration. Yeah, yeah. I don't have one book that I can uh, recommend. If there's anything. The book called The Rise of the Creative Class, it's written by Richard Florida, wrote that book in about 2002. That is a fantastic book that you don't divide people into blue and white, but you create, you divide people into creative people and uncreative people. Creative people percentage in Japan, even the you know, so-called blue color uh, hierarchy, there are creative people. That's why they created this uh, Kaizen and all the improvements an actual in the field, on the spot. Mm-hmm. So it's not something that top bosses thought about and put the manual together and it gave it to people. No, actually, people in the field thought about this. So he had this theory, and I really, I was really impressed. Well, listeners, again, you can find all these great resources Ken's been so kind to share on his very own show notes page at karzia.com slash Ken Okuyama. And Ken's last name is O-K-U-Y-A-M-A. Yes. There's also another great place on the Cars Yeah website called Guest Recommended Books, where this book and all the past 580-some-odd guest books are listed for quick, easy clicks to buy. All right, Ken, we're up to the checkered flag. I know you've got to run to the airport. You're flying off to Southern California today. so Yeah, I am. Yeah, we'll have uh, one last question for you here, and this last question can be a real doozy, especially for a guy who has a lot of cars. If you could have only one, I'm sorry, one collector car in your garage, but don't worry about the cost because I'm going to buy it for you today. So that's not an issue. What would that one vehicle be? And more importantly, why? I see him starting to sweat there, listeners. He's he's rubbing his brow. He's like, oh, my gosh. How am I going to? Then the guy who has about 40 cars. in the I know, and all those motorcycles. I know. This is a tough one. But you know what? There's uh, almost 600 people before you that answer this question. So I know you're up for it. Uh, the answer is Fiat 500L from 1971 that I have. Cinquecento. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that is the smallest car that I own. And the, I used to drive that in snow in uh, Turin. And the, uh, I brought it back to uh, Japan and it completely restored. But it's one of the hardest cars to drive uh, fast. Downshifting, that thing is uh, really <laughs> difficult. Handling is weird. And I work on and every part of the car. I'll be taking that uh, with me. Now, you, you completely threw me off with that one. I I. <laughs> I completely, you know, that's the great thing about this question. You think you know what you're going to hear and you don't hear that. So, uh, wow. So it's, so again, the reasons for choosing that car, you have one 
and you've experienced it. You restored it. So is that why it tugs on your heart? Well, when you look at the car, it's not a car. It's it's your pet. It's it's <laughs> another person. It's waiting for you to pick it up. I can't just leave that that car in in the garage. I have to take it with me. It's it's begging for it. Oh I mean, gosh. It's so round, it's so small. Your actual head sticks out of the sunroof. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that design, that charm of the car, the whole thing. But then again, it is not the easiest car to drive. And I like that, you know, both uh, kind of a very interesting combination. Yeah. You know? <laughs> wow. Well, you know, so I love that question. I get a lot of great different answers. So, Ken, you've taken me on an awesome ride today. I've really enjoyed getting to know you better and your stories. Me too. Same here. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Car Show listeners. Could you offer us one parting piece of guidance before you head off into the sunset in that Fiat? Well, my father was younger. It took him eight hours to go from my hometown, Yamagata, to Tokyo in a train. Today, I'll be taking plane about nine hours from Tokyo to Los Angeles. Distance is completely different, but the actual, uh, you know, the distance is about the same. World is getting smaller. And for younger kids from anywhere, world is waiting for you. So don't hesitate. Just go out there. And it doesn't matter if you speak the language or not. Just go in there, meet people, and do things you never regret. That's what I can say. Great advice. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your company? You can look into uh, our website and, and uh, weekly updates. And it uh, gives you a lot of uh, you know latest uh, upcomings of what we're doing. I think that would be the best. And also... This, uh, you know, Karzia uh, and this uh, networking is the best way to get to know what we're doing. Absolutely. What is your website, Ken? Uh, com. Very easy. Well, listeners, I will make sure that's posted on Ken's show notes page on com. Again, just type Ken in the search bar and that page will pop up with links. I would encourage you to check out Ken's website, see what he's doing. But even better, if you're going to be at Concorso Italiano or the Quail, yes. make sure you stop by and say hi to Ken. Check out this new car. I think you're going to be blown away. And again, if uh, you want more information about Concorso, just go to concorso.com and you'll learn all about it. This is a fantastic event. If you love cars, you've got to attend if you're down there during Monterey yeah, Car come. Week. Yeah, absolutely. This will be my 27th year in a row attending Monterey Car Week, so yeah. I can't wait. Ken, thanks for being so generous with your time. Thank you so much, Mark. You're welcome in your expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Yeah, I'll see you. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!